Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. Got my hair cut yesterday, and I'm just waiting to see my counselor. And I got three new notebooks because I filled up my last two. I kind of like these ones because the pen goes on the paper better. It doesn't leak as much. Work hard, dream big. Be brave. And get busy. I like the bee. I like honeycombs and that structure of how they all connect together. And I think we're kind of like a honeycomb structure. Humanity is. And then I went to the health food store to try to get vitamin C serum, but it was so outrageously priced high. And I know it can get it cheaper on Amazon. So I'm going to do that. But I got a drink that I've never seen before. I've seen the Bragg company, they're the apple cider vinegar people and the liquid aminos people, but they have a drink and it's Concord grapes. So I just thought I would try it and buy something in there. And yeah. And I also got a coffee. And when I was driving to the health food store, I took a different way. I took the way the maps told me. And I saw a metaphysical bookstore. So I might pop by there after my appointment and then somewhere else. And then I'm driving out to see a friend. I'm feeling pretty tired these last couple of days because I'm taking only a quarter of Zoplicone and I'm not sleeping as much. So last night I slept from about midnight to 8.30 a.m. And a full Zoplicone would probably make me sleep 13 hours, not eight and a half. So I'm feeling tired, but I'll likely adjust to the tiredness or start sleeping more if I take the, the transdermal cream my friend made for me. Or I could, I stopped taking Benadryl too last night or I might've taken a quarter or a half so tonight might be even worse with only zero Benadryl, but I could take Gravol instead just to sort of catch up on some sleep. Seems I need more right now. And I have a lot of things to talk about. I did get an email with that webinar by John Harold talking about the process-oriented approach to extreme states and altered states of consciousness. And I started watching the two-hour video haven't finished it yet, but it's really good. I feel like I've just discovered this term process work, but it feels like what I've been doing with myself is some kind of version of a process work. Um, he, this John Harold guy, he took the training for process work and finished it a year ago. And he was lucky enough to have a process worker therapist guy who, when he went to him with his 
out their experiences. He said, wow, that's great. It sounds like you have a lot of creative energy. And then the therapist guy said, do you want to make meaning out of this and share it with the world? And that's kind of funny because that's what I've been doing with my own experience. But I've been doing it with myself. I haven't had somebody to um, officially, professionally facilitate that. And um, yeah, so it could be kind of similar what I've created for myself as to what he's able to facilitate with others. And, you know, maybe it could be something good to study because then it gives an official title to what one is able to help people with because I feel like hey I could help people make meaning out of this and again it's not about the meaning I've made but making one's own meaning own, one's own unique meaning I've talked about what this could mean about the human brain and reality and, and neurology and things like that and they're just educated guesses they're they're taking subjective experience and trying to make it somewhat objective it's for me I realized today I wrote this down that when we talk to a psychiatrist about our subjective experiences and and they're trying to make them meaningless experiences they take whatever we're saying and they say well that means this pill or that means this label so they're putting it into their own new categories to then usually most often give us some kind of pill so we're sharing all this subjective experience. It's being interpreted as mental illness, like that means mental illness and that means this pill or that pill or these combination of pills or pill changes over the years. So our words, our inner experience, our subjectivity is being turned into a material object. Like Whatever we say is sort of translated into this X pill or Y pill or Z pill and those are the ones we take. Whereas if we were talking, say, to somebody who did a dialogical approach, what we say would translate maybe into a question they ask us in order for us to unfold more meaning. And I feel like the more we're able to unfold more meaning, the less we need to consume these pills. And I've changed my views over the years, and that's part of the process here is changing one's views and exploring and experiencing um, unlike psychiatry, they always, you know, they might give you a new diagnosis, but they don't take away the meaning mental illness. But I feel like the more I've been able to explore my own meaning, when I do feel that the pills are beneficial, as right now for sleep, uh, they tend to not have very many side effects. I don't know if this is absolutely true. It's a hypothesis I'm making right now because uh, I feel like the more I've made my own meaning and understood myself, I'm not afraid of myself. So I'm taking pills for sleep, I'm not taking them for fear. And fear is tied into, of course, um, an emotion, but it's also tied into thought. But if we spend a lot of time making sense of our own thoughts and, and experiences in altered states, which can lead to a lot of interesting thoughts and, and beliefs, as they're called, um, in my process, I've talked about getting rid of the process of belief. So something can arise in mind is like, oh, that's interesting. I can write it down. I can make more meaning out of it, but I don't need to believe it because that creates too much continuity. I don't want to believe anything. I want my brain to be fully open to the next possibility. And I feel too, 
one could get too stuck possibly at some point on making too much meaning of one particular experience and then missing out on what is available now. Um, I've probably made too much meaning, I don't know if there's such thing as too much per se, but I've made so much meaning about the whole particular thing about, oh well, it could mean this, it could mean that, my experiences mean this, but also try to tie it into brain processes. Because if we're saying symptoms to a psychiatrist, that they're hearing them as symptoms, they're saying, well, that's tied into the brain process of a chemical imbalance. And so we're going to give you these chemicals to fix it or rebalance it. But if I am making up or hypothesizing about how I feel my brain could be working based on what I know about the brain and you know, things in the mainstream about metaphysics and neuroplasticity and human potential and so many things, I can extrapolate to that. And then by, by doing that, I don't really know where I was going with that, but it was something about, yeah, I'm like creating my own meaning and I'm not relying on a psychiatrist to give the meaning to me. Right now, I feel like hey, they can call me bipolar, give me some pills to sleep, that's great, because the more I sleep, the better it is. And there could be certain environments where I don't need to worry about that so much, and that's part of what I've learned over the years too. Um, so yeah, I think I was talking about not making too much meaning about a particular experience. Um, though, um, a short stint or a couple-week stint in an altered state can lead to enough meaning and richness to talk about almost for the rest of one's life. So that could also point to the meaninglessness of how we operate on a daily basis. I think if if the whole of society was designed based on these meanings, they would be more invisible and we wouldn't feel so compelled to need to talk about them because they would just be part of the structure. But I got to go into my appointment and I'll try to talk more later if I can. I'm probably repeating myself, but I don't even know because I forget. Because um, like I've talked about with myself, I feel like forgetting is more important than remembering. Um, I don't know if I wrote this down, so I should say it. I think this is one of the things I tried to hold in mind to write down after I was in the shower or something and I forgot. But um, not committing anything to long-term memory. So using the working memory memory, something might come to mind and I might be able to hold it long enough to write it down, which commits it to like um, matter, right? So then I don't have to put it in the long-term memory in my brain. I can just talk about it later and then forget about it. And that's a good process because it doesn't create thought loops. Some sad news today. I I learned that somebody in my mental health community died last year that I didn't know. I didn't know they died. I knew them. But I didn't know they died because I was in California for five months. And I've been back for a year and this person has entered my mind several times, but I just sort of assumed that Maybe they got a full-time job and moved on and, and weren't coming around. But 
somebody happened to mention them today and that they died. Like, they mentioned that person's memorial and I was like, what? I didn't know. And so that was really sad to hear because it was a person who I would talk with quite a bit and was always very friendly and very nice. Very, very nice. And it must have been not too long after that other person I knew passed away. I think that was February. And this other person, their memorial was in May. So they must have passed away May or late April or something. And yeah, I didn't know because I wasn't around. And I'm assuming this person... They also, well, they also died of a heart attack and they were probably late 40s, mid 50s, or I don't know. But whenever that happens, it reminds me of the seeming rule of 25 less years. Probably not for everyone, but for a lot of people who are on these medications. That's the third person I know from my community. It's not like my community in quotes, but the circle of wonderful people that I've met through the journey of mental health. I enjoy being around people who have been labeled a lot. Such a great community of people. Really, really wonderful people. And when when you give them a, a great place to hang out and, and work on different things and be themselves, it's really something special. And it sort of reminds me of, I think it was last night, I watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with a friend. It was the first time I'd seen it. And this is a bit of a spoiler alert what was interesting about the movie is that it seems like the guy, you know, Jack Nicholson's character, he was in the psych ward to avoid maybe work duty at a, like a prison system or something. I don't know, like a work farm for prisoners. And so he might have been kind of acting crazy to go to this um, mental institution where they're trying to decide if he's crazy or if he's not, if he's just pretending. And in the process of him being there, he learns that he won't be out in 68 days like his sentence. He'll be out when these people, these mental health professionals, let him out. So even though at some point they were doubting whether he was really unwell in the mind, they um, were kind of keeping him there, saying, hey, we have the power to let you out or not. And in the process of him being there, he does a bunch of outrageous things. And of course, the movie's a bit dated in, in the different things that happen. But um, this is the main spoiler. At the end of the movie, he could have left. Like, he unlocked the window because he had the keys and he was going to leave. But he went in a room where one of the people in the ward had killed themselves because of 
things that happen and the nurse was really mean so then Jack Nicholson's character tries to strangle the nurse um, and there was and the, the person did end up dying by suicide on the ward because of the mean nurse being really mean and then there was somebody who Jack Nicholson's character really connected with. He ended, he was a, a native person. And so I guess Jack Nicholson's character was not on the ward for some time. And then when he did come back to the ward, it turns out the native character finds out by looking at his head that he had, Jack Nicholson had been lobotomized. And so I won't spoil the ultimate ending just in case someone listened to spoilers for just now. But the point is that Jack Nicholson's character wasn't necessarily um, mentally ill as psychiatrists would determine, but he basically fell in love with all the guys on the ward. You know, they were the, the so-called quote crazy people and ill and and he was just so hurt by one of his buddies being, like, dying because of that condition, that place. He could have left, he could have ran out the window, but instead he went to run and look in the room to see the tragedy that happened. And because he was so mad, he strangled the nurse, and she didn't die, but he ended up getting lobotomized because of that. And so what I'm trying to say is... Almost any person I feel who nece wasn't necessarily diagnosed um, put in a community like the one I'm fortunate to be a part of would fall in love with everyone within a certain period of time. You know, it might be kind of like country music. They say you got to listen to it for a while and then you start liking it. Well, with this community, you could fall in love on the first day or or after a week, or a certain amount of time. Like, it's just a lot of fun. And we also, today, another person who um, was a part of the community left to move on to other things. And I said goodbye, and I started to cry a bit, so I left. And then I was crying a little bit on the way to the grocery store, and of course, wishing this person well in their future endeavors. But it was like a real shock to find out that the other person, I was kind of wondering, oh, where did they go? Um, but a lot of people come and go. But that person was always there, and I just didn't ask, but I ended up finding out. And it's really sad that they lost their 25 years. And... When that happens, I always have my heartstrings tugged towards finding alternatives or reducing the harm. What I try to do for myself is take as little as I can. Right now, I'm taking more than I would like. I'm down to a quarter Zopacone, but I'm up at 150 milligrams of Trazodone, which I want to get down to about 50 and then eventually zero. And two and a half quetiapine, which I'd like to get down to one. And I'm no longer taking Benadryl. I was taking two, so now I'm down to none. So I have reduced some. I'll probably try the Nozanan to just see what kind of effect it has, and I'll try this 
CBD transdermal cream to see what kind of effect it has. And I'm taking a bunch of supplements. I just got my order of more of them. I'm probably going to stop taking some of those when I go to California. But now that I have more energy, I'm seeing other things to take and using my blue light a little bit. And I'll have the house to myself tomorrow, so I'm going to start eating really healthy for the week because I do feel like I used to eat a lot of vegetables and now I'm sort of like today I had pizza. It's not really super healthy. So it's important to be as healthy as possible because of the loss of the 25 years. And to go with that, uh, I was just clicking on the Peer Apocalypse website, which is the event. It's actually in Salem, Oregon, May 20th to 22nd, 23rd, 2019. And um, I might try to go to it. We'll see. But it, I just want to read on their website in the About section how it says, Why do we need a conference like Peer Apocalypse? Because dis decisions about us continue to be made without us. Because too many members of our community are unemployed or underemployed. Because a quarter of the inmates in our jails and prisons are people with mental health challenges. Because too many members, members of our community live in poverty. Because members of our community die 25 years earlier than the general population. So that is related to what I was talking about today with a member of our community, not only my community, but our community, whether it's the one that I'm a part of here locally or any mental health community around the world. Or, you know, at least in westernized nations when we're uh, pathologized. Because we need to be reminded that there's hope. Because coming together awakens our energy so we can all keep doing the vital work we are doing. Because nothing reminds us more that we are strong we are a strong community than being in one place together and reconnecting as friends and allies because we know what works and we need to share what we know with each other because when we come together, we can turn the way things are now into the way they should be. So those are pretty good, well, they're awesome becauses. And um, I have just sort of going from one extrapolation to another but I wrote my sort of reasons for having uh, a social enterprise or something a social purpose business for at the time I was calling it special messages wellness and um, making the world a better place for those diagnosed and I have these purpose statements. Some of them might be kind of overlapping with this pure apocalypse and I guess I can read them now. I wanted to read them at some point. And the purpose of this sort of social purpose business that we would co-create together is to create a total transformation program for labeled consciousness. Uh, some of these are not really fully flushed out. 
Manic Epimimetics Project. That's kind of what I'm doing. People might, might not like the word manic, but for now it might be good to say it just to, um, to call people who recognize that word and be like, wait a minute, what else could it be? Uh, recontextualizing. To render psychiatry medicating labeling obsolete in those who want. So people who like that paradigm, they're more than welcome to continue with it. And I do continue with it myself. Um, my point is to minimize it and minimize my contact with it and, and activating the machinery of it um, as much as I can. To create thinking together. And that's something different than conflict of opinions, most of which we did not originate ourselves. We got it from somewhere else. To harvest mania for the good of humanity, conscious self-sabotage and inconsistency, sabotaging the ego structure that would imagine that we're separate. Um, to collaborate with manics, to create people who can support people through the manic transformation process. To create a community of people who see it this way, that we are one consciousness. To increase wellness literacy and human capacity literacy. To increase visionary liter literacy. To increase therapeutic lifestyle design practices and happiness first. And um, I don't know if I have it in here, but create a different life scaffolding and lifestyle, well, lifestyle design. To optimize human developmental potential. And this, of course, is in our community. To augment human capacities of kindness, altruism, laugh, laughter, play. Those are some of those manic qualities. To increase self-knowledge of human physiology and self-understanding. Well, why is that important? If we don't understand our physiology to some extent, then we rely on the doctors just saying, oh, it's chemical imbalance, take this pill. And um, to normalize distress and extraordinize living, to go from blindness to vision and noticing differences to kindness and common human commonality, to increase social capital, to create gatekeepers to extreme well-being and thriving, to educate about self-knowledge, some of these don't resonate with me as much as when I when I wrote it. Some of them feel a little bit like outdated languaging. So I probably wrote this not that long ago, probably within the last two years. And already I feel like my own languaging that I created feels outdated. Yet we're still relying on the type of languaging that was created how many years ago for psychiatry? And oh, they changed manic depressive to bipolar. How innovative. Not really. Um, there's more that I wrote. To restore the brain to learning. We don't even really know what learning is. We think it's memorizing and regurgitating. It's not that. We're not brain camels. To provide safe space, inner safe space, safety in the journey through inner common humanity. Create safety to be manic. Example, clowning, improving. Dancing, DJing, singing, blah, blah. Safe outlets for that energy. And I had a friend who I sent them the link to the 
John Harold process-oriented approach webinar, which I'm watching. I have about half an hour left. He's just answering questions, but she was like, we're meant to be friends and we're meant to, I want to talk to you more about this, blah, blah, blah. I need to send her the link to the Peer Apocalypse conference. And, um, public displays of happiness and public displays of celebration, consistent inconsistency, extreme joy for no reason. I just wrote down in my notebook that spontaneity could be a sense. Like the word sense has been quite salient for me lately. Like the sense of beauty, the sense of richness, the sense of meaning, you know, the sense of humor. We use that as a, a phrase but I feel like since our senses have been programmed by thought, which is meaningless because it's programming that's been um, put onto us, um, these other senses that we have or what we can sense with our senses, when they're clear, you know, we can sense humor, we can sense something that makes us curious, we can sense beauty. Like since I've switched into the I've been calling it positive algorithm, but it's not a matter of bad or good. It's more like energy moving outwards instead of um, like a fog. And um, I've just been noticing a lot more beautiful flowers and beautiful drops of water on my car or or the way the, lo the sun looks when it sets through the smoke or... Things just look so beauty, beautiful, and it's it's very. I was about to say distracting, but it's more like interacting. It it helps to create energy to notice that beauty. And um, what else? Train human distress crew for spiritual emergence, like a soteria without walls. Lived experience lends tips. Um, like tips for each other who have lived experience with this and a page on relanguaging and I wrote Transformania Conference on Manic Consciousness and I also think it'd be cool to create like a manic fest where we could all meet up and I was thinking it'd be cool to do that when there's already another type of peer conference happening like at the Hearing Voices conference or the alternatives conference or this peer apocalypse or like it'd be cool to have a celebration like a festival of some kind just like they have raw food festivals or different types of festivals and um it'd be so funny if we created like a, a burning man but it wasn't burning man it's like we don't take psychedelics, we just go off our medications all at the same time and see what happens. Have the Zendo Project people there to help us because we go into those states without any kind of um, chemical invocation. We need to take chemicals to suppress that algorithm from being invoked and it tranquilizes our brain and lowers the energy. Um, yeah. So that conference and... 
this has the most meaning for me, creating new memes for Mannix. And like I said, when the brain gets into this type of creating with language and creating lots of meaning in terms of language, vocabulary, one can create a whole different vocabulary in a way and different meaning. And after a year, it's like outdated and boring. And um, it struck me a little bit when John Harold was talking, he's very... He's very on the ball, for sure. But it seems to me that, this isn't a bad thing, but it seems to me that he learned a lot of this by having a process worker, someone who was already trained in process work. And his phrase that he used um, wasn't his, he didn't say it was his, was be a little more psychotic all the time. And I might think of that as similar to embody your mania, like bring a little bit of your mania into daily life and build those circuits. So it's not um, so foreign when the energy comes in. And, um, but my point with that was he had a therapist tell him that phrase, be a little more psychotic all the time. So with what he's sharing, of course he has his experience. Um, he came across process work from a process worker and he didn't create it himself, but obviously, I'm sure he's created a lot of things himself. Um, but it's not a bad thing. It's just what I'm trying to say is we can learn to create this meaning for ourselves. And that was the thing that I think I forgot to say yesterday or the day before when I was saying something and then I forgot where I was going with it, which doesn't usually happen. But I've noticed these last couple days, if something comes to mind and then something else comes to mind, those two things that I'm holding in mind don't last as long as they used to and I have to like write them down and usually I get to write one down, the other's gone. Before I could probably hold like three things in mind for a while, at least so I'm finished showering. But now I get to my book and I'm like, what was I just thinking? Like, I don't know. So it could be a sign that... Um, I need to write things down faster or it could be a sign that soon I won't be able to hold anything in mind I might only have to speak in the moment and that's it maybe not write anything down at some point only speak I don't know it's not necessarily a bad thing it seems that I'll go back to what I was going to say what I was going to say was we can learn our brain can be sparked to do this on its own we don't need anybody else to tell us how to do this. Um, it helps to have dialogue for sure. I've been having dialogue with myself because I can't pay a therapist a hundred or two hundred dollars a week. Um, I could, I, I don't have that kind of money. So I've done this. I'm not calling it process work because somebody created something called process work. I've only heard about this in the last couple of days, but I'm seeing the similarities to. What I've been doing with myself, I'm not saying I'm doing process work, I've been calling it self-dialogue. And I think dialogue is important. Like my thing is if if a lot of us were having this kind of dialogue with each other, none of us would need a therapist to facilitate that. We would be speaking in this way. We would 
we would create a bunch of our own meaning and then share the meanings we've created and then we would say I don't know what we would say but we might say oh this is another way to look at it this is a creative way to look at it this is a loving way to look at it and we would from what somebody said we would create new meaning out of it we wouldn't be saying this is my opinion we'd be saying oh yeah like we would extrapolate together and that would be way more powerful than me only talking to myself so point being we don't need to pay a therapist our brains have the capacity to do this we could have some kind of facilitator of this too like I feel like I might be able to support people to get their brain working in this way or whatever it is that the brain was having a sense of when the senses were deconditioned and a lot of us get into contact with a lot of words and um, I feel one of the reasons why I haven't had any more super fast talking or um, confused speech is because I've learned to speak based on this other brain algorithm. So now it feels, it feels, um, doesn't feel so energized because the brain circuits have energized that algorithm so it doesn't really divert so much into the other. And when it does, yeah, I've sort of talked about how these last few months I've just been going out and just sort of doing nothing, eating out at restaurants and doing whatever. And in that way, I was never depressed because I wasn't sitting on my own thinking, oh, I can't do these wordy creative things that I was doing before, or I can't perceive creatively. I never even used my blue light that's sitting right beside me for months because I just, it wasn't even in my capacity to see it. It's like being in a fog. And then, you know, the sun comes out and the fog burns off and then I'm able to process a lot more information. And it's like, well, I was hibernating and now I'm not. And it's not like, well, I'm depressed when I'm hibernating. It's just getting into tune with the 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 algorithm, with the, the biorhythm. And, you know, maybe we don't all have the same biorhythm where we can just go, go, go and be robots on the 9 to 5. So... I have a few more here. Um, a new game of gestures, moods in reality. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not sure about the gesture thing right now because uh, because that can be a lot more powerful and blah blah. And. Address before stage four. So that's talking about, it's a movement. I didn't create that, which is before stage four mental health, which is people don't address cancer at stage four. So why would they address mental health at stage four? So there's different ways, um, not necessarily to prevent, but um, I don't know. I think there's a lot that can be understood that takes the fear away from it. And... Um, I think once some of us have this stuff not figured out, but if we're in dialogue and creating new meaning and uh, we're like creating all these seeds in a flower, like us together is this flower and we're creating all these seeds and then we start sharing them with other people. 
another thing would be to share our wisdom with children so they don't get into the same debacle of moving so far away from who they feel they are in order to please others like family, society, the education system. Uh, kids are already being born that can't even fit in. We're not meant to fit in. But I don't think they would need to be born like that if we were all open to the diversity of humanity that could be. Um, so, yeah, I think we could help youth, especially if some of us can start living our dreams and, um, you know, get out of the consensus nightmare and then say, hey, it's really important, you know, almost no matter what, to live your dreams. And that, I think that would be good prevention. I can't say for myself, because it happened. It was, uh, the mental health crisis thing wasn't prevented. But um, it's possible to pass that wisdom down. And um, yeah and move towards like a resonant meme family as opposed to a genetic, like a, a mimetic family versus a genetic family. Because the genetic family doesn't often see the world in the same way. And then we end up acquiescing to the shoulds or, you know, this is what my mom wanted for me. Or this is what my dad wanted for me. But that's not me and I can't do that. Sorry. So, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, so that wasn't as interesting as I thought it might be, because it's kind of older, right, and, um, Yeah, it's sort of older now, and and that's okay too. And um, yeah, I guess really I would like to help people not to lose their 25 years. And maybe if we are going to lose it, live our dreams in the years that we have left. And um, I'm not sure what else I wanted to talk about, but yeah, it's kind of all over the place, but I've filled up two notebooks like this, and I haven't talked that much about them, and then when I was on the island, I filled up like three big notebooks, so I have some stuff to do while I have the house to myself, but I'm going to see how much I can talk to myself. I might try and talk to myself as much as I can. I'm saying that now, I don't know if I will, but I might take the opportunity to talk to myself a lot for a week and kind of catch up on talking to myself. And the other thing I did, and 
this is a sign that I'm in that energy because although I don't spend thousands of dollars, I do end up spending a bit of money on stuff. And there was this instrument at this metaphysical bookstore I went to yesterday and I wanted to buy it because somebody had it when I was on the island and when they played one of the notes, I noticed that the sound that I hear, like the Schumann resonance, I call it, not that I created that name, but I feel it's the Schumann resonance. Um, it went away, like it neutralized it, sort of like noise cancellation headphones. So this note, I kind of want to know what that note is. And I was playing around with it in the store, but I couldn't hear the sound, the Schumann sound in the store because there was music playing and stuff. I can kind of hear it right now. Yeah. So if I had that instrument, I would be able to check that. I, it's like part of my experiment. So I can't help but buy things that are part of this experiment sometimes. And then the other thing I got, this is kind of silly, and I don't think it'll last very long, um, is I got, some, I got some friends to join the dialogue. And let me introduce them. This is a dinosaur, obviously, right? And um, it's a hand puppet, but I can pretend that it's the dinosaur speaking and not me. And I'm talking about mental health. And what I say is that you have a mental illness. And why am I saying this? It's because I'm a dinosaur. And dinosaurs see things in a really, really old, outdated way. And they don't want to let it go. But, like we know, the story of the dinosaurs is the universe comes in and intervenes. So, that's why I got a dinosaur. It's probably good to make him like this, because then you see his eyes properly. And the other character I got, but the thing is that this puppet isn't very good, is a monkey. And it's not very good because this is really tight right here. Like, and so it's hard to really open his mouth. So he might be more like this, blah, 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 blah. Whereas this guy, he really could be like, but the monkey represents more of a new way of seeing things like monkeys kind of crazy and fun and spontaneous and and goofy and and stuff like that so that's why I got a monkey so I'll probably return these puppets maybe if I don't really keep with it and I probably won't because um I don't know but I got these guys to help me talk and, and figure stuff out. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes with this monkey. I don't like how stiff his lower jaw is. It's probably because he's been medicated from the dinosaur. Yeah, I put him on Seroquel. And, um, you know, he's probably pretty close to developing tardive dyskinesia, you know? So I gave him something else to try to mitigate that, and that's why 
his uh, jaw is really stiff. You know, I think he's getting a bit of flat affect. Oh yeah, I had that once. It was really scary. I looked really scary. Are you afraid of yourself, monkey? He is, so let's not be too critical of the monkey because he has flat affect and he could get tardic dyskinesia, which is really awful. Or akesthesia. So, yeah, the tranks are really working right now. I think, I don't know what kind of voice you want to have, dinosaur. We'll figure that out tomorrow. And I got one more puppet. I don't know, he's over here. And this one is just a finger puppet and it's a hummingbird. Cause I really love hummingbirds. And um, so he's more like joy. He's like going off, living the dream, flying off and living the dream and then uh, so this is kind of the ultimate this hummingbird very joyful that's what the dinosaur wants to do that is what the psych system wants to do it wants to be like you want to be joyful you want to live your dreams no I'm gonna eat you for dinner and if I don't actually eat you for dinner well I'm going to make a lot of money putting my perspective on you and that's gonna feed me so either way you feed me thank you so much you're not welcome and so these are my little friends that I got and that's the sort of stuff that happens when the energy comes in I'm not manic I'm not out of control I'm not booking a trip to Tibet or Peru or anything like that though that would be fun um, well, I don't know if it'd be fun. I'd probably be scared. But, yeah, so I got these little characters to possibly help me out a little bit in the dialogue. Um, I've talked before about how I don't know what I'm going to say. So, by using these puppets, I don't, I don't even know what the dinosaur is going to say next. What are you going to say next? Next. Yeah, so... And that's the thing, the energy wants to buy something co-creative or I bought some vitamin C serum for my face because my compounding friend told me to, so I did. And um, that would be good because I don't know, we'll see. And oh, the last thing I want to talk about is I think it was two nights ago. When I was falling asleep, I've talked a lot before about how sometimes I can seemingly remote view or I can see things in the blackness of closed eyes. Like I see people, I see scenes of different things. But for the first time, I saw like this light. It looked like, like like cells, like, uh, it's so hard to describe, but they were colorful. It was like fluorescent greeny, yellowy, pinky purple, and it would flash and it looked like these cells, almost like cells under a microscope or 
or uh, I don't know how to describe it. It was so cool, but it didn't really make me go like mm, and wake up. I saw it for sure, and it was really beautiful. And then I fell asleep. But I was wondering if it was from the CBD transdermal cream. I didn't take it that night. I took it the day before. But I'm wondering if it sort of opened up different neural pathways in my brain. I probably won't take any of it tonight because I'm wondering if it slows me down in terms of talking to myself. But I'll take it probably tomorrow night and see what happens because it's a good week to experiment with things. Because a lot of it is that we're just so molecular and it's true. If, if I were to eat 100% raw food for a while, I would start to feel like a zillion bucks. I would have so much energy. I would feel very present and conscious and energetic and creative. And that's just from eating very high mineralized foods and and living foods, food that is alive. And I've done that before, and that's what I was doing before I was hospitalized the first time. So um, I will do it again in the future. Not get hospitalized, but get energetic on raw food. Um, but for now, I'm doing other things. Like, there's stages to stuff and different explorations, but I definitely feel that there's something to having healthy molecules and I think that the amount of nutrients we eat right now is part of what is keeping us stuck in a prison of a system of thought that we all are like little puppets in and um, I think we need to have a certain kind of nutrition to be able to create the molecules of the future like the genes of the future the um, what's going to allow our brains to see the heaven on earth that's already here among us. And, um, yeah. So there's so many different things to explore. It's pretty exciting. I'm super stoked. And um, I have a lot to share. And again, it's kind of disjointed because it's not logical. It's not, I don't know anything. It's creating new little hypotheses like maybe it's like this or maybe it's like that or I could think about it like this or I could see it like that or maybe the scientific discovery kind of relates to this inner subjective experience that I've had so it's um making everyone a, a creator of meaning and I think that's what's really needed right now is to create a lot of meaning because we have a lot of information too much to take in and it's not about taking in it's 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 about creating about this outward movement from in to out we think it's about taking everything in and processing it and rearranging it but I would say it's more about I call it extrapolation I don't know if that's even the right word there's probably a lot better words out there to maybe it's integration well, maybe integration would come from being able to um, integrate some of this. And so I don't want to say how to integrate it. I don't want to say A plus B equals C. It's more like 
A plus A plus A plus A plus A means create your own B and then create the C and then create your D and then share it and stuff like that. So yeah, that's all for now. Last thing I forgot, found a hummingbird sticker today. Hummingbirds are speaking to me and I've been buying some different drinks that are healthy. Check them out. When I get into healthy and energy mode, I tend to be a lot more healthy and I buy stuff that I've never seen before that's healthy and I try it. So I bought this Beekeeper's Natural Bee Elixir. And it doesn't really say what's in it, but there was a pack of 10 and the pack said what was in it. But on their website it says, Bee Elixir Brain Fuel is a powerful nootropic, N-O-O, I don't know if it's nootropic or nootropic, but N-O-O-T-R-O-P-I-C formula containing natural compounds to help enhance memory, performance, and cognition. So it says benefits, memory and focus, adaptogen, concentration, fight brain fog, energy support, producti productivity hack, Antioxidants. Um, and it says, oh, interesting. Belixir comes in the form of a shot to invigorate and nourish your brain and support your executive functions so that you can turn productivity up to the, the max. Our innovative natural formulation is ideal for high performers looking to optimize their moods, their minds. That's weird. I saw moods before, but maybe because it's close to superfoods on the next line. While supporting their bodies with plant-based adaptogens and superfoods. So the thing about it is, though, it was $5.35 for one. I think you can get 10 for $30. So I'm not going to have it now, but I'm going to have it after I shower because I haven't showered yet and I need to take my vitamins that I take with food. So I take a bunch when I wake up without food. Um, the amino acids are good to take on an empty stomach. And then I have these that I'm going to take with food. And since I now have the home to myself, I made a smoothie, which I haven't done because I don't have a kitchen. So it took a bit of time to take stuff upstairs, like my blender, and set up a mini kitchen for the week. And I'm not used to doing this. I'm not used to taking time to make stuff for myself. I haven't really done it for two months. So it's interesting to get back into the gestures of that and notice how... Even with the one smoothie, it just felt like a lot of effort to put in. It's a lot easier to jump in my car and just go get something. 
and then be out all day. Wouldn't necessarily be more efficient if I had to drive and get food far away and then come back home, but since I've been staying out a lot, it is pretty um, practical, I think. But the thing is that I haven't been making the healthiest choices, so this week I'm going to do a week of making my own healthy food. It'll save a bit of money. I'm drinking yerba mate, which I love, and I won't be buying Tim Hortons coffee this week. So focusing again on health and, and noticing how when I have a full space to myself with everything, like a kitchen and everything, and if I had a kitchen set up with all my stuff, I would be doing a lot more gestures towards help. But the thing that I'm grateful for with having to be out and about and eating food around is that a lot of times I'll grab food with a friend or I've spent a lot of time in my friend's coffee shop. I've just spent a lot more time with time with people and friends. So less focus on, oh my gosh, I gotta be healthy. A few years ago, I was being super healthy and I'd probably be like, no, I can't hang out because I need to stay home and make myself this healthy food. So I think I've released the attachment to needing healthy food all the time and and having the benefit of the energy of positive connections with friends. A lot of times I'll go grab food and then meet up with a friend and even if they're cooking. So yeah, it's made me a lot more social. And having a really fuel-efficient car has made me a lot more social because a lot of my friends live um, like 40 minutes to an hour away. So, yeah, that's been really interesting. So now I would probably be like, I'd rather go and hang out with my friend than stay here and be healthy. So, so yeah. Of course, I've still been doing the vitamin thing every day. I take my vitamins and then I leave. I pack up the ones I need to take at dinner time. Then I come back and I take the nighttime ones. And I'm down to same sort of thing, uh, quarter zopocone, which I'll take for four more days because I have one pill left from the really old batch. And then I have the trazodone and the quetiapine. I'm going to reduce the quetiapine by a quarter of a pill at a time and try to reduce it. I'm going to try the CBD transdermal cream tonight. So I'm always experimenting with different things and this has been an experiment the last couple of months of not being attached to my stuff, just having my backpack and grabbing it and leaving and um, that was sort of an experiment of being homeless, being homeless. I was definitely homeless and um, I think it was really good. I learned a lot that I didn't know I would learn and now being healthy for a week and then having a month of working more and getting ready to go. This week, since I have the house to myself, I'm going to try to talk to myself more because right now I have my door open, I can talk as loud as I want and that's easier. Before I would usually talk after 9 o'clock when nobody's awake because this house is very echoey. So I'm going to focus more on that. I'm not going to do as much in terms of planning for my trip. I know that I need to get health insurance. I'll probably go with BCAA because last time they sold a policy that if I came back after three months I could 
get a refund. It's about $100 a month-ish. And it doesn't cover mental health, of course, but it covers everything else, like health stuff for the most part. And so if I decide, oh, I can't be down there for, like I decide to come back after three months, then I could get 300 bucks back. I'm going to check out my American Express coverage and also um, my car insurance company <clears throat> coverage. I say I'm going to talk to myself a lot, but if my voice gives out, I definitely won't. And then I'm going to use my Rome Mobility SIM card for a few days, and when I get down there, I'm going to try and get a full-on American SIM card because my critique of Rome Mobility is it seems to want to upload my pictures into the cloud over the SIM card data. So with the SIM card I have now, it only uploads my videos and pictures when I'm in a Wi-Fi zone. But when I'm down there, it tries to upload it over the SIM card, which takes hours and hours, but then it wastes all the data and then the data is throttled after two gigabytes in a month. So it just becomes useless because once it's throttled, it barely works. So learn my lesson from last time. I'm gonna try to get a, a full on SIM card. My iPhone is unlocked. And also, what else is there for travel? I don't know why I'm talking about it, but um, also checking which border crossing is the best. One of them near me isn't 24 hours, another one is. Check the leaving time, try to decide where I might want to stop, see if a friend knows anyone along the way so I can spend the night with a friend's friend, maybe. And um, notifying my credit cards through the online portal that I'll be away. And um, you know, of course, packing everything in my meds and stuff, but I'm going to do all those investigations um, next week because I can do that and that leaves me room to do stuff that is the best for being around the house by myself, like singing and things like that. So yeah, there's lots of options and I should drink this. And, um, yeah, and then next week I might wash my old car and try to sell it. I could do that this week, but, and I might because it's raining, so I can wash it with the rainwater maybe. But, yeah, so just trying to get different things done. I have notebooks of stuff to talk about with myself. And... There's somewhere I wanted to go with something I said, but I forget, and that's what's happening lately is I think I'm becoming even more forgetful, which is okay. And yeah, need my vitamins. So yeah, that's one thing I wanted to say, I think, was that I've done a lot of this meaning making. I've talked about this before with myself, I know that, because I've done done a lot of meaning making. And do I want to continue to write things down and talk about them? Or do I want to 
um, start living in a way that is meaningful to me, which I'm going to do by going to California, but even after that, what is meaningful? And another step would be to start making meaning with other people. And I do have a lot of peers that I know that have very amazing talents that I think if we got together, we could share skills and create something cool. Or even, you know, what I could maybe do next is help people set up their own uh, channel or have a channel for peers to share their skills. Like I know somebody who wants to teach painting or share what they get out of painting for people, for peers. And, you know, one could try to set up a class for that person to teach painting locally, or one could set it up um, online. So it's digital digital and scalable, and this is the stuff that T um, Steve Pavlina talks about. And, um, or it could be an online thing, so, um, that person is able to share that meaning on a bigger scale if they want to. And um, so it also could be a process of showing other peers how to set this up for other people. So say I'm the one that shows somebody, hey, like, let's have a sh channel where people share their passions who are peers in our community. And then that would show the ways for other people to do the same in other communities uh, to allow people to share what is what their talents are, what is meaningful, and what they're passionate about. Because maybe not everyone is passionable. Passion. I don't know why I'm stumbling so much. Maybe not everyone is passionate about um, creating memes or whatever. I don't know if I like the term memes. But. And then the other thing is, um, other certain things give me energy, like, like being around... Um, beautiful women and having close friendships and um, and also nature and there's a lot of things that um, I would like an abundance of I don't want to necessarily be sitting here like this forever and perhaps consulting with people and making meaning with people instead of by myself and then also showing people how to make meaning for themselves. And that was the point that I don't know if I made yesterday that I wanted to make was we can do this for ourselves and maybe I could maybe I could share a very simple thing to get people into that mode of creating meaning for themselves. And not just creating meaning for oneself, but also moving towards what's meaningful for people in their life. So I've managed to do that. By going to California and what's beyond that I don't know so I think what one thing I wanted to talk about regarding this bee elixir stuff is that it says it helps with your executive functions I think and I was writing this down even before I looked at this, I think, maybe not, but what is executive function? You know, memory and focus, blah, blah, blah. I'm feeling like memory isn't that important. 
accumulating knowledge isn't that important. Um, focus and concentration isn't that important. So I feel the executive functions of somebody who's gone through um, altered states or extreme states of consciousness could be different. Or they could vacillate back and forth. Like there's different functions of the brain in the altered state versus the um, consensus state. And I want to talk more about that. So I don't know if I want this to help my memory and focus. I don't really want to help my memory. So we'll see. I'll take it anyway after I have my smoothie and eat these vitamins and have a shower and see what happens. Uh, I don't think it'll be really anything that noticeable unless I can't sleep tonight for some reason. So yeah, I think I'm fumbling a little because I have, I have so much to talk about. And the limiting step probably will be my iPhone memory. Um, it'll take time for the videos to go into the cloud. So I could manually remove them and, and save them in the cloud manually. There is a way to get around that if I choose to. So, yeah, like I said, lots of things to talk about, lots to do. And I'm going to drink my smoothie and have a shower and then get into it. And through talking, I might try this time to get a few of the bigger themes. And, like, I would love to be able to create some kind of something that is more digestible. Because this is a bunch of, of content. And, um, yeah. I'm going to try this bee elixir thing now. Cute little bottle though. That's nasty. It says what is in it is royal jelly, bacopa, moneri, plant extract. I already take bacopa. And ginkgo biloba, non-GMO vegetable glycerin, and purified water. So I thought of my next big experiment. Yeah, what's that? Well, I'm thinking that for my next experiment, I'm going to have a crisis while in California. Why would you want to do that? Well, I'm going to be in California and it seems that the crisis time that I get every seven, seven and a half to eight months is going to happen when I'm in California. It should happen very late December or maybe early January, maybe late January, I don't know. But what I'm feeling is that I'm not really afraid if that happens. It's not really gonna... <laughs> oh, sorry, I thought you were a leopard. 
No, that's just my headband. You can't see very well. That's why you're a dinosaur. You see in a very limited fashion. Well, that's not very nice. Well, it's kind of the truth. Hey, Flat F at Freddy, how are you? I know you can't really speak right now because you have flat affect, but um, I'm wanting to talk to you about something. Is that okay? I'm a peer, don't worry. I'm not a psychiatrist. Hey! I already talked to you, dino -chiatrist. Well, what I want to talk to you about is how I've been talking to myself for a really long time, a couple of years now, over two years, and I've discovered some things that I think might be able to support you to live your dreams and live a vibrant life instead of this flat effect thing you got going on right now. Do you think you'd like to hear about some of it? Okay. Well, it's only about um, probably 260 hours long right now. What? That's not that long. You could watch it all in like 10 days or if you never slept. But if you sleep, then you can watch it all in like 20 days or an hour a day for many, many days. Does that sound like a good idea to you? Why not? Too long, right, it is too long, you're right. I need to somehow figure out how to summarize some of these bigger themes and ideas. Do you want to help me? Do you want to help me? Why not? Oh, it's the flat affect, that's right. So I need to help you. But the thing is, I don't think you need help. I think that all the power and capacity and, and capability is within you. Why do you just keep staring at me so blankly? Oh, you don't believe what I'm saying? You don't believe you have capacity and capability and talent and power and the ability to move towards your dreams? Well, well, why not? Oh, you're afraid to say. Well, you can whisper it in my ear. You mean Dr. Dino Chiatrist told you that you're going to have to take these meds forever and you're going to get, you're going to have more crises over time and you're going to get, um, your brain's going to get shrunken and if you have more crisis, if you go off your meds, you're going to have, your brain's going to get worse and worse over time. It's gonna get worse and worse over time? Well, I can tell you that that is not a true reality because I've had this condition for, well, I don't wanna say it's this condition, but I was labeled seven years ago with bipolar and my brain's just fine. I think I'm actually getting a lot more capacity over time. It's taking a while, yes. But it makes sense because it took me 29 years to get like I was that led to the crisis. So it might take 
of some time to get to a different type of ability and capacity that maybe was lying dormant because I was conditioned in a certain way in my upbringing. What? Does that sound kind of familiar to, do, to you? Like, does it resonate? Would you like to see and know that you do have a lot of intelligence and capacity? Do you think some of your um, experiences in altered states of consciousness and extreme states of consciousness, do you think they could have some meaning? Do they feel like they were meaningful events and experiences and and states of consciousness and things like that? Whoa, that's a big yes. You really think they are meaningful. Well, why haven't you told anyone? You mean Dr. Dinochiatrist only checks off symptoms on a checklist when you say what you experienced? Hmm. Well, I can tell you that he is interpreting you with the psychiatric lens. Like, he studied a long time, for many, many years, to get these types of thoughts and interpretations in his mind to project onto people like you and I, to make us believe, especially due to their position as some kind of authority, health authority, uh, it gets us to believe pretty quickly in what they say. They told me after I was hospitalized for a few days that I had bipolar disorder and I'd have to take medications for the rest of my life. And I was thinking, well, that was a really spiritual feeling experience. Did your experience feel spiritual? In what way? Oh, you're still afraid to say it out loud. Well, I don't blame you because oftentimes when we say things out loud, um, we get pathologized for them. So I don't blame you, but I'm a peer. I've been through similar things, similar dimensions. Of course different details, we have different bodies, so we have different experiences, but I think it's possible that there's some kind of intelligence to this process and there's something that we can learn. And if we learn, then it's possible that um, these types of experiences won't be so, in so intense and we'll be able to um, have experiences and maybe not feel it so intensely because of how We've integrated a lot of it and made meaning out of a lot of it. Like This is what my process has been for the last couple of years, is making a lot of meaning out of these processes. And I've made all sorts of strange, I don't want to call them pseudo-scientific approaches, but maybe, maybe I'll call it meta-scientific. Created my own scientific process in a way. And if you don't like science, that's okay, because you can use the same sort of thing towards anything that you want to live and create. How does that sound? Great. Thanks really, thanks a lot for being so brave and courageous, like a lion. Ah! Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to say the word lion. I know they might eat you or something, but... You're perfectly safe here. There's only a dinosaur. Well, dinosaurs are scary too. Especially when it's a um, doctor dino isn't it? That's more scary than a dinosaur, isn't it?
yeah. So, we can talk more later. Okay, but seriously, this is the next big part of my experiment. I saw in my calendar that I have it scheduled in that the next crisis I'll experience will be end of December, probably. I usually put in my calendar on the earlier side of it, so that way I can be warned. And then if it happens later, then that works out. Last time I got into a little bit of trouble because I think it started before I left for the island and it was really challenging to get there. I thought I might not get there, but I did. And then I felt a lot better. So I'm wondering if when I'm in California, if a crisis will happen at all. Maybe it won't happen at all. And I don't want to think in terms of prevention, but it could be that in a really good environment, something like that doesn't happen. Because I've seen the stresses and the pressures that I've felt in being in an environment around people who don't see things the way I do. For example, the first three years I was living with peers for the first two years of my experience and being around people who understand made it a lot less stressful and it made it a lot easier to start rebuilding my life. So I realized today that I'm not afraid of having a crisis in California. Whereas last year when I went, I was afraid of that. I had, I had a, a medical ID band. I had plans for two different friends to come down and get me if there was a problem. I'm not going to wear the medical ID band this time and I'm, I might try and have one person who would be willing to come down and get me if I was really having trouble, but I'm not afraid of it because even in June, I was only really non-functional for about three days and maybe a few days, quite a few days after that, like maybe a week. And luckily I just bought a lot of food, so I had enough food. So I can order food through through Amazon Prime or whatever. So I have that covered. I'm not even afraid of it at all. Whereas usually one wouldn't want to be in another country when a crisis was possible. Because in the US, if I get hospitalized for mental health, there's no coverage. And... I'm confident that I'll be able to be just fine. So that's sort of the longer term experiment in terms of living out my life and then seeing what happens in the different situations and circumstances. And the smaller experiments, of course, are starting to try this CBD oil transdermal cream, for example. That's a smaller experiment. And eating healthy for a week and talking to myself a lot for a week, that's a smaller experiment. So there's always uh, different ones that come to mind, but like I mentioned today, I realized, hey, if crisis hits in December and I'm in California, big deal. It's probably a better place to have some trouble because I'm away from those who would project my history on me from their memory and I'm kind of into this 
exploration of historical consciousness versus presence consciousness and perception of the moment and how they sort of go back and forth as a bit of a a model for what's happening so yeah i'm gonna try and stop in between ideas that I explore and insights because that way I don't have to go through and edit, which I haven't been doing for a long time. I think it would be nice to go through and edit because I could be a little bit more creative and put in things here and there from extrapolating. Or yesterday I watched just a little bit of what I said and I ended up putting in a, a photo of when I had flat affect because I mentioned it and I don't even look like the same person. And had I continued along that same path of, that same path would have been taking that same medication, following doctor's orders. Um, yeah, it wouldn't have been good. I would still probably look like a zombie. So yeah, that didn't happen because I'm, I'm learning and I think Getting rid of the fear is really important and I don't know how many of us manage to do that and that's what I would like to to show in some way So here's an idea let's create a festival a festival for people to go and be Manic and if someone's not manic, but they've been manic they can go because if other people are in that heightened energy state, it will probably pass it along to those who have already been invited into that state by the universe. They already have the possible brain pathways and neural pathways for that. It's a matter of being sparked. A while ago, my brain twin was feeling kind of down and like there was nothing to do or learn and I was sending him inspirational emails with different things and he did get a bit of a spark from it so that would be another thing instead of trying to get rid of mania it would be people who have fallen out of it the people who are in it could spark the ones who have fallen out of it and also help to teach each other how to be with that energy so then if we get sparked then we're creating more of the brain cells for embodying that so that would be a thing where that energy can spark the the subjectivity the meaningfulness of it but how do we translate that meaningfulness that feeling of rich meaning inside to something that is embodied that maybe we can share by virtue of our presence instead of having to make so many words about it I don't know. And think about this question that Krishnamurti asked. He said, is it possible for human beings to bring about a totally different category or dimension of the mind? So he's not saying, oh, this dimension will just be there. He said, he's saying that humanity has a part to play in bringing this about. And I feel like in so-called mania, we we get connected with that, but then we need to learn how to bring it about or make it embodied. 
I had an insight recently about how psych medications work a little bit and this will be challenging to unfold. It doesn't necessarily make sense if one has not explored thought in the way that say Eckhart Tolle does or Krishnamurti, for example. So Eckhart Tolle would say, move towards not thinking at all. And I was fortunate that I did a lot of power of now practicing before I was ever diagnosed. So I feel that it's true that when a person takes a psych med, part of what's happening, and I'm not pretending to be a psychiatrist here, I'm extrapolating from my lived experience, part of what's happening is the medication is working on thought. So if I'm terrified in psychosis, it's thinking that's making me feel terrified and the feeling of being terrified, which is in a feedback loop with the feeling of being afraid. And they're feeding off each other, making me more and more afraid. And if I take a psych med or a tranquilizer, all of a sudden those thoughts aren't really there as much. Or the energy of the emotion of fear isn't there as much. So it loses its uh, feedback loop capacity to keep adding and adding to it. So if one works on not believing thoughts or not having the algorithm of belief in mind at all, then thoughts are just sort of come uh, flying by here and there, but they're not given any power. And I feel part of what causes side effects is thoughts that maybe we aren't aware of. So I've worked a lot to have my mind not really think verbally, not have that chatter going on. And I think that if we take a psych med to stop the chatter in our mind, that chatter still goes on somewhere, like in the body processes, and that is what can lead to different side effects in the body. But if we work on no thinking at all, then I feel that's something that could possibly lead to not um, having so many side effects. And um, it's also true, someone can take a psych med and certain thoughts get worse, so it, or certain beliefs get worse, or certain things get worse. And a lot of those, if you think of fundamentally what it is, it's thought stuff, which is a conglomerate of thought stuff would lead to probably a, an emotional complex of some kind in the body. So I feel it's possible to uh, work to lower that and then that way I don't think the medications, the medications are material, they're matter, they're chemical and thoughts are sort of like, Krishnamurti would say they're a mechanical process in the brain. So thoughts are based on the fact that our brain cells are conditioned like a reflex to think these things. So the meds are in a way working on these thought reflexes tied through our brain and body. And so something like insight and intelligence and understanding in the moment 
something new isn't affected by that, isn't affected by medication so much. Especially when one decouples their brain and being and biology from, from thought stuff. So what I'm trying to say is it's possible to get more benefit out of the medication and less side effects by getting rid of these thought things. And for me, what I'm experiencing now is that I'm taking medications that are helping me sleep. I take them at night only and I'm not really getting any side effects from them because I feel like I've worked to decouple from a lot of those thought stuffs that would create some of the side effects. If I had one of those medication profile sheets, I would look at some of the side effects and then try to relate it to what I'm saying. But what I'm trying to say too is a lot of what I'm talking about is perception of the moment. And perception of the moment requires uh, that our senses and our perception be clear of thought and experience because otherwise it's translated according to old experience and old thought in memory. And what's in memory is probably in our brain cells and it's a reflex of memory. So if we don't have the reflex of memory happening, which is the material process, we can see something new. And maybe it's okay to have the reflex of memory operating a little bit, like we have to remember English, for example. Um, and that maybe is what happens when people go into catatonic states at some point is they forget English temporarily because their memory is not moving in the same way and the world that's not part of memory is a world of light um, in terms of what David Bohm says he said there's soma which is matter or more gross and significance which is subtle so significance could be something like meaning and then one could take meaning and translate it into something of soma of matter like if one sees something that means a certain thing scientifically one could make like a tv set for example and then they keep updating them as they they see more um, understanding of that so why I'm saying the meds possibly don't affect that so much or they don't have to is because it's based on perception of the moment, which is based more on light, the light coming in and what we see versus the mechanical movement of memory. So it's quite complicated and the things I have to talk about now are um, not necessarily in a logical order. Just going to talk about different things and, and build more of that and next is talking about learning how to navigate this energy for ourselves so asking for help is relying on somebody else's authority to tell you what's going on and there's nothing wrong with that but when we have these inner subjective experiences that are not shared with other people, we, are able, we can make meaning for ourselves. And if we say something and then it's translated as a symptom, we get reattached to the machinery of psychiatry, meaning the treadmill of going to the psych ward and then going out in the community and then back to the psych ward. So why do we ask for help? mainly because we're afraid. 
And why are we afraid? Maybe because we don't understand. And one can say, oh, well, I'll tell you how to understand. You have bipolar disorder. That doesn't help me be less afraid, though. That And that's somebody else's understanding that they've gone to school for, for who knows how long, five, ten years? Going to school for five to ten years for that person as a psychiatrist to say, hey, you have bipolar disorder. And all I'm going to tell you is it means this, this, and this, and this. Like the symptoms you're saying to me, you mean you have bipolar disorder. But the rich subjectivity that I experienced, for example, in my first two months in altered and extreme states before I was hospitalized, it had so much meaning every second. I kind of want to find, I have an audio somewhere of me babbling kind of, somewhat unintelligibly. At least if uh, someone was to listen to it, they'd be like, what is she talking about? But if I listened to it, I'd probably have a sense of what my inner process was at the moment. And it would be something beyond the words I was saying. But words come out linearly. So um, for some reason, I drew this little pendulum. I can't really remember, but in terms of learning... So reattaching, so we go into an altered state and then we reattach to say our family and psychiatry and they explain it for us and it kind of goes back and forth like this. But what if it were a circle? Like each time it's a circle completing itself and it's a spiral moving, moving, moving. Like it's three dimensional coming out of the page. So instead of going back and forth between that fearful state and then whatever, um, it could be a circle, and each time we complete the circle, um, we've navigated for ourselves. So that's what I find most empowering, is learning to navigate for myself. And creating a lot of meaning for myself has reduced the fear. And then also learning how to take certain supplements, which may be helping. Um, I think they are, because I have definitely had a more tame experience, especially considering my environment isn't exactly as I would create it myself. And Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.